Welcome to Her Legal Global. I'm your host, Faye Gelb. Our podcast is dedicated to providing you with actionable skills to empower your legal career. Today, we're welcoming Jamie Spanhake. She's here to tell us about how to build a support network that works, one for your professional and personal life. And just before we dig down into our topic, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Jamie. She's a lawyer, writer, and work-life integration coach. She helps busy professionals achieve more while doing less so they can create the lives they truly want, which sounds amazing. So let's hear a little bit more about that because she's created the space to do all the things she was told she couldn't do as a successful lawyer, like be a mom, play tennis, spend time with friends, and write a book. And I know for a lot of us, that probably seems very elusive. And the ways that she's done this and set it up for people to learn from her is through the principles in her book, The Lawyer, The Lion, and The Laundry, Three Hours to Finding Your Calm in the Chaos. She practices law as a partner in Connecticut and New York. So welcome, Jamie. It's wonderful to have you here. Thank you, Faye. It's my pleasure to be here. So now we're just going to dive deep into this, how to build a support network, because we always hear about it. It sounds a bit overwhelming. You know, we might feel just tired hearing about that whole thing. So what is this when we talk about building a support network? What are we really getting at there? Well, what I'm getting at is that we all have many roles and many hats that we wear. And we have lots of obligations and responsibilities because of those roles. And we can't be as successful as we can be and enjoy our life at the same time if we don't have help. So for many of us, especially women, and I find especially lawyers, um, we don't necessarily reach out for help. Whenever we look at our schedule and all the things that need to be done, we go into time management. How do I get all this done? But a lot of times the thing that we forget to ask is who can help me do all this? So building our support network is collecting together the people or services, we'll talk about that, that can help us get all of this stuff done without feeling overwhelmed and exhausted. So really what we're talking about is what you just said, getting help. When we are talking about building a support network, it's really not about building. It's more like tapping into and accessing what we already have, but we need some way to do that. We need some sort of process. So why is it important? You've talked a little bit about that, but what can we see if we are doing this? What we can see is that we are able to be more, accomplish more, have more, do more without doing it all ourselves and without being exhausted. That sounds wonderful. And what gets in the way of doing this? I think the primary thing is that we often have what I call martyr syndrome, which is that we want to do it all ourselves. Um, And I think another thing that gets in the way is we're often perfectionists to some extent, and we have a way that we want things done. So we don't necessarily want to hand the task over to someone else. We don't trust that someone else will do it perfectly. Um, And also it takes time to find someone sometimes. And that is the reason that we want to 
tap into, collect, build our support network ahead of time so that when those tasks, responsibilities, obligations arise, we already know who we're going to turn to. I think that's such an important point about, you know, we feel a bit overwhelmed, just the thought of having to figure out who to give this task to and how to go about, you know, monitoring it and getting it done. And it just seems like a lot of times I think people feel that it's more of a hassle to go through that process than not. So what we're talking about here and what you're going to help us with is actually setting it up beforehand so that when we go to give that task, we're not facing that overwhelm right away. We've already got a process in place. That's right. Because if we wait until that moment, it, it's too late, right? <laughs> Definitely. Sometimes. Sometimes it's too late. So let's just talk a little bit about developing this skill. How do we go about it? Like, what, where would we start if we wanted to begin building our support network? Well, first, we want to think about all the things that need to be accomplished and think about what we could use help with. So I like to start by listing out all of my responsibilities on a general basis in my life. You know, I have work responsibilities, I have childcare responsibilities, I have parenting responsibilities, I have uh, pet parent responsibilities, all the responsibilities that we have. Listing those out, being clear on what they are, and then assessing what we would like to have help with. So we're going to figure out what we're trying to accomplish and who can help us accomplish those tasks. And we need to be clear on all the things that we want to happen and who would be a good fit for helping us with those things. So often we um, overschedule ourselves and it's not possible to even do all of the things that we want to accomplish. So this is where our support network is going to come in. Okay, so when we're looking at what we need to delegate, can you give us some ideas of the tasks that we might be thinking about, what we have to do and want to do? You gave a bit about your responsibilities. Is it more along the lines of those things, or is there other things that we could be considering other than, you know, the big tasks? Yeah, so I like to list out all of my tasks, big and small. So, and then I go through with an exercise that I call the three Bs, which is bag it, barter it, or better it. And bagging it is just not doing it, not having anyone do it. Bartering it is what we're talking about today, having someone else do it. And then bettering it are things that you want to or you must do yourself, like exercise, sleep, eat. Maybe you you want to be the person that gives your child a bath at night. You know, whatever those things are that you personally want or need to do, those are not things that your support network is necessarily going to help you with. So we're talking about the middle category, the barter part. So for example, when I think about bartering, I could be talking about switching off days with a friend, taking our kids to school. So that's getting help from someone that is a friend. I could be talking about, I don't like cooking dinner, so I'm going to hire someone to come in and cook meals two nights a week. Sounds good or, to me. Yeah, right? <laughs> or, you know, if that doesn't work for me, then maybe I'm going to order um, a meal plan box that comes every week with three meals a week, and then I'm set for three meals. Or maybe I've decided there's a restaurant that I'm going to go to and get takeout. 
you know, every Tuesday night, whatever it is, things that we can have other people do. So what I'm hearing from you is really what we're doing is we're getting back our time. We're, we're trading off these tasks and we're getting back time so that we can be more efficient as we, we go into our personal and professional life. That's right. That's right. So who are the, who are the people that we would access to help us? Like I feel bad asking people to help me out. So how would I overcome that? What, what can we do there and who should I be tapping into? Right. So I think regarding feeling bad, I think a lot of people think of asking for help as weak, first of all. And I think we have to overcome that belief, which is incorrect because it's not weak. It's smart. You know, and no one succeeds on their own. And if we have lots of things that we want and need to do, it's smart for us to ask for help. The other thing that I think we have to consider is that people like to help. If you help someone, you feel good, right? It's good for the giver as well as the receiver. So I think that it often is a gift that we give to other people when we let them help us. So I think we have to remember that too. That's definitely something I wouldn't consider in my processing. So that's a really good point to tap into. So now I'm sitting here and I've listed out my different things. I've done the three B's and I want to approach people. Who would I be approaching? There are many categories of people that you could approach. There's your friends, uh, family members, if those are uh, accessible to you, uh, either geographically or via some sort of technology. You can access your coworkers, your support staff, if you have support staff, either at home or work. and there are people and services that you can pay for. So true bartering doesn't involve payment, but for our purposes in this exercise, we are gonna consider services and people that we would pay. So we would consider people like someone that you hire to come in and clean your house or a dog walker that you pay to walk your dog. I heard one person talk about actually calling up her neighbor and reading a story to her child over the phone as something that helped out the neighbor and allowed for babysitting, you know, in quotes, over the COVID era. So I thought that was a very interesting example. Is that something that you can see you could do even with the limitations of COVID? That's right. You know, this support network system is sometimes in some ways easier when we're not in the middle of a pandemic because you can actually reach out to people that are geographically close to you and they can come to your house and that sort of thing what you're talking about but there in some ways there are new ways that maybe even will carry over post pandemic like reading to a child over zoom or friends who while they're cooking dinner, they have their child has a Zoom with the grandparents and she can cook dinner and the child is entertained. Maybe they're reading a story, maybe they're just talking, whatever. Um, but that's a great way to utilize your support network. Yes, and facilitate the connections between the different parties. So it helps everybody. Right. And it's that giving and receiving that we were talking about earlier. So right. I'm looking at my friends, my family, neighbors perhaps and yeah. services so now we've we've done all that and what are we going to do as our next step in this process well we're going to match up people and tasks so we want to um, make sure that the people that we're choosing are uh, have the skills 
to do the things that we want them or need them to do. So um, that's the first thing. And this is particularly important when we're um, using our support network at work. So this is where we're going to get into true delegation, right? Um, and there's, there's a good way and a not so good way to delegate. I think oftentimes people delegate, it doesn't go well, and they're like, oh, I don't want to delegate anymore. It's just more work, right? Yes, why did I bother? It's just Why did I bother? It. That's right. But when we go through a process of delegation that is very thoughtful, then we get better results. So one, we have to choose someone that has the skills. And then two, we need to be very clear with ourselves what needs to be done. So we match up the skill set to the project or whatever the task, right? That's and a very then, good point. That's a very good yes. point. I just want to talk about that a little because I know for myself that I have a real tendency to give something over and then add on a whole bunch of other parts to it because I think of something else as, you know, time is going on. Oh, and just add in this and just add in that. And I think it causes a lot of confusion and it doesn't really allow the task to be done properly. And it kind of ends with, you know, unsatisfaction, I think, on everybody's side. So that's right. You really have to be clear at the beginning. And I guess if you are like me and you come up with all these extras, then you have to wait and add it in at the end in a different task sequence. Yeah. I mean, that may be the right way to do it. It may be the right way to talk to the person to whom you've delegated and said, I have these additional things. Is now a good time or would at the end be better? Should we talk about them now and then you can decide when you want me to give you like precise instructions about it? Um, so I think in any support network or delegation, um, communication is really important, being very clear. So you're not being authoritarian. You're actually having a conversation about this is what I want done and getting listening to the person and hearing back their feedback about how you're conveying that and what they're hearing you really want to do so that at the end of the conversation, you're both really clear on what needs to be done and the process that has to happen in order to have that occur. What's That's the right. It's, it's teamwork. It's teamwork. Yes, I was never taught this in law school. I think this is a beautiful example of where we really need to get a skill that's going to make a huge difference in our lives. So what would you say the next step is? So now that we've matched the task and with the person and we've gotten very clear to ourselves what the task is and what the desired outcome is, then we need to communicate that effectively and precisely to the person to whom we are delegating. And we need to make sure that they understand and we need to give them um, the ability to ask questions to make it clear. What about, you know, we're talking about with work. So would you recommend that this be in writing so that there's an even clearer course of communication rather than just having a verbal where there can still be misunderstandings? That's probably a good idea. You know, I think that we as lawyers are very focused on what's written down. And so if you had asked me this question four years ago, I would have said, absolutely, write it down. Now I have a daughter with dyslexia and she learns better by listening to what I am saying, not writing it down. So I think that 
it probably is helpful because you don't know necessarily how the other person retains information best. So sure, write it down and explain it orally so that there's a conversation about it. Great. And then what happens after you've gone through that process? Do the person get started? What do you do? Do you step in? Do you step out? What do you do? Step out. <laughs> step out. Um, because if you have delegated and then you go back and micromanage, you have not saved yourself any time at all. And you have frustrated the person that you've delegated to because they feel like you don't trust them. So step out and make yourself available to them for questions. You are going to step back in um, a couple of days later and check in. You know, it's like when you go to a restaurant and your server brings you your food and then they go away and you like eat a little bit and then they come back and say, is everything okay? Right? Because they've given you time to assess what's happening and then they come back and say, do you need anything? So that's what you're going to do. You're going to let the person get started because sometimes they don't know what questions they have until they start the process of the task. That's so an excellent wanna, example. I like that. Yeah. You want to check back in and make sure they're on the right track because you don't want them to go off the rails, right? Um, so check in. If everything is going smoothly, then step away again. If everything is not, then you need to reconvene and start first with assessing were your instructions clear. Don't start first with this person is not doing what I wanted them to do. Maybe you weren't clear about your, what you wanted. So start with that. And if you are clear, then we need, you need to communicate again and answer questions and figure and, out where the disconnect is. And after you figured that out and you get the end product, what do you do then? Well, I would check in one more time before the end product, you know, and say this is due tomorrow or next week or whatever. Just make sure everything's on track. Um, and then I would assess and communicate with the person that you delegated to. If you're happy, um, what you liked about it, give some constructive criticism if that's needed, but always be grateful for the assistance that you received and then move on to the constructive criticism or adding on to the task. And you might also have a little debriefing with this person as to the way that you communicated with them. How was that? Because delegating, as you said, is a skill and you don't learn it in law school. You just learn it on the job basically and try to figure it out. So feedback for the person delegating is, is very helpful. So let's just talk about delegating in general in a workplace situation. So we have a, you know, a support staff that's helping us. They're obviously going to have certain job responsibilities. So we're talking about delegation fitting into that overall role. When do we know what to delegate versus what is their job responsibilities? Is it something that we've identified as a task that's on top of their normal role? Like how would we figure out when we're delegating? Yeah, you know, I guess it depends on who's responsible for defining the role. So if you are the person that defines the role of this support staff, then you directly and the person to whom you're delegating can discuss, is this gonna be a new role that the person's gonna play? Is this a one-off that you're asking them to do? You're having a direct 
discussion with that support staff person. If you're more of a mid-level person, so you don't define um, what the work roles are for the support staff, then you would need to have a conversation with the person that does um, and with the person to whom you're delegating. And each individual is going to need to decide which is the proper uh, order to go in. So do you need to go up the chain first or is your relationship with the support staff such that you could go directly to that person and say, this is something that I need assistance with and I don't know if this fits directly into your job description. And if you're interested in doing it, if you have time to do it, you know, again, communication is going to be the key. And these are discussions that and information that you're going to need to have ahead of time. So like you said, we were talking about in the beginning, when you're super busy and you need to push stuff out to other people so you can get everything done, that's not going to be the time to have these conversations because you're not going to have time to have these conversations at that point in time. So you can't know everything that you're going to need to delegate, obviously, but you can get clear on the categories that you can delegate. So what would be some of those categories? Like, what do you mean by that? Well, maybe it's, so one of the things that I do in my practice is um, residential and commercial real estate. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens before the closing. And then there's all this post-closing work. So recording documents, you know, dispersing funds, writing checks, all these things, right? I could have a paralegal who's trained ahead of time. And once, you know, all the documents are signed, I could know, okay, I'm handing this over to the paralegal now. I'm done with this part. And then in two weeks time, that's how about how long all that stuff takes. I'm going to check in and make sure it's all been done. Or maybe it's filing. You know, every quarter you go through your files and take out the ones that are closed and send them to storage. If you know that that's something that you can delegate to a support staff person, then you would know that every quarter you're going to go to that person and say, it's time to you know, clean out the files. Can you do that? So what I'm hearing from you is that we can take this whole process. We can look at what we're actually doing in terms of the roles that we have in our law firms and decide now ahead of time to look seriously at what we can delegate. So it's not just about the process, it's about really thinking through how we can get through our day in a much more efficient way. And can we really put this task in with somebody else to allow us to be efficient and to have that support that we really need? So now right. what I'd like to talk about is, we've talked about the business part, but what about our personal life? Because you know, right now, especially with COVID, we have a lot on us and a lot of us are sitting at home with a lot more tasks and burdens on us without, you know, some of the things that we might have actually had that we did delegate successfully, like cleaning is not necessarily happening anymore. So what can we do there to help ourselves with support? One thing I would say before we talk about support is that some of those things we might just decide to bag right now. Like I'm not cleaning every single day. I have four pets, two dogs and two cats, right? So I really should like vacuum every day, but I don't want to. 
<laughs> so I don't, right? So there are some things that it might not be ideal, but for this period of time when we're in this very strange time in the world, there might be some things that we just decide are not going to happen. So and that's, that's free. One. That's very free. Yeah. We don't have yes. to be perfect. We just have no. to decide what's good for us at this time. That's right. That's right. Um, and so delegating personal tasks, you know, again, there are categories of personal obligations. So I would do the same thing. I would sit down and go through all of my personal responsibilities. So for me, it's things like exercising. No one's going to do that for you. <laughs> no one's going to do that for you. I wish they could sometimes. Um, um, cooking, sleeping, uh, taking care of the pets, taking care of my daughter, um, being sort of a homeschool teacher sometimes, um, being a taxi driver for different things. You know, these are my responsibilities as a parent and as in my home. So there are some things that I like to do that I don't want to delegate. I want to actually be the taxi driver because I like spending time in the car with my daughter whenever we're going somewhere. It's like time for us to chat and be together. So I'm not going to delegate that. But I could, I could find a driver to take her places if I wanted to. And if we lived in a city, which I don't, we could use, and she were a little older, she's only 10, we could use Uber to like take her to piano lessons or whatever. Um, and I know that some people do that. Another thing is having a babysitter, which we're not doing that much right now because of COVID, but I could have a babysitter come and take her for a walk if, you know, down on the trail right down the road if I wanted to. So that would be delegating. And I would want to have a list of people that I know I could call um, ahead of time. So everyone's not going to always be available at the moment that I need them. That's so a good a point. People. We want to have would, more than one. That more than one. That's right. Or you want to have a, a schedule. So maybe every, you know, Wednesday at three o'clock, Lauren, one of our babysitters, comes over and she and Sarah, my daughter, go for a walk for 20 minutes. And that gives me time to do a yoga class in my living room or something, you know, whatever it is. So again, it's the same process. It's finding people that match the skill set, match the task with their skill set, and scheduling it or having more than one person that you can reach out to. So we can also use services like you talked earlier about the meal kits, but we can also do things like our bills or auto delivery of our pet food or even yeah. doing, you know, shopping and having those types of services that we go online and we have the clothes delivered and we do that more in efficiently. Personally, yes. I hate shopping. So <laughs> this I sounds like shopping a too. great thing yeah. to me. Yeah. So there's like trunk club, there's stitch fix, you know, you fill out the form and they send you clothes every month. Um, I do all of our pet shopping through an online store and it's on auto delivery. You know, I get food and medicine and treats and, and kitty litter and all that stuff, you know, on a regular basis. I don't have to think about it. Um, you can do that with your prescription medication if you wanted to. You can do meal kits. You could shop online for groceries sometimes and they save your order. And then every month you just reorder what you ordered last month you know, or last week, whatever it is. So there are ways to automate. That so what I'm hearing us. is with the automation, what we're really doing is scheduling. So we're using support and combining it with a schedule to take off those tasks off, our, off of our head and being able to 
you know, do them efficiently. So what can we yeah. expect if we do this in terms of the outcome? Yeah, we can expect to accomplish more while doing less and feeling more relaxed and less overwhelmed, which yeah. I think makes us better people, better lawyers, better parents, better people. That's amazing. This has been really helpful. I've never been taught how to delegate. I have a much better handle on the whole process and how to go about it. And both for my professional and personal life, this has been invaluable. Thank you very much. For Legal Global, empowering and transforming us through skills and shared wisdom. For other great episodes, follow us and be sure to check out herlegalglobal.com for a community, informative skills-based articles, and to work with me, your host, Faye Gelb.